guys, and welcome back to another episode of Berluminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And today, I am going to tell you another story. John Teeter had a problem. His life had been difficult since day one. When he was 13, he joined a militia called the Fighting Diamondbacks in Central Florida and prepared for a civil war. Then, a few years later, he found himself in the center of bloody fighting as the world devolved around him. But he'd chosen well, worked hard, and found himself stationed at a cushy army base in Tampa. But now, his country and all of reality needed him. You see, in the year 2036, life is very different from what we experience today. The people of that timeline survived the second American Civil War, a nuclear exchange with Russia, and even the horrors of Y2K. But Y2K Part 2, or the 2038 Unix problem that was quickly approaching and action had to be taken. His commanders at the military base where he served as part of the 177th Temporal Recon Unit decided it was time to utilize time travel technology that had been developed by General Electric to solve the very serious Y-238 problem. Teeter's mission was to travel to the year 1975 and snag a brand spanking new IBM 5100, which had the ability to debug code in a way that the citizens of the future had lost between now and then. Teeter was the perfect guy for the job since his grandfather helped develop the 5100. They loaded his time machine into a 1966 Corvette, threw on some kick-ass tunes, and went back to the past so they could fix the future. So... Where did he come from? What did he really want? Why the hell was he in an almost 100-year-old Corvette? Just what were his predictions, and did any of them come true? Today, on Berluminati, we are talking about the media-savvy time traveler, John Teeter. He wowed the people at the turn of the millennium, by sending a detailed fax to Art Bell at Coast to Coast. Then, hanging out on a message board and writing more than 500 posts, detailing the future and giving many predictions. But first, Jake, what are you drinking? That's me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am enjoying a beer from a local brewery that uh, we have not been to, um, but I've had a couple from them uh, called Deep River Brewing down in Clayton. I've been there. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've been to the actual brewery. It's very cool. Yeah, so they make a couple stouts I really enjoy, um, especially their no collaboration series. Yeah, they make like Foxtrot. Yes. Um, but Tango, Tango Foxtrot something. It's like Ma- an orange. Mango, mango tango frog. Mango tango that, yeah, 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 it's like a mango yeah. trap, tropical IPA or something. Yeah, they make some great beers. Yeah. Um, and this one I had never heard of before. And it's called the Chocolate Cherry Cordial. It is a stout brewed with chocolate and cherries. And the can is a big old lips with a, looks like a black cherry in its mouth. Sing it, Lips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like a mix between the Rolling Stone lips and like a Roy Lichtenstein uh, kind of comic pop art painting. Yeah. Well, like, do you know where the quote that I just made was from? Sing it lips. Yeah. Sing it lips. Roger Rabbit. No, it's from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, the oh, beginning oh. part where it's just the lips. And yeah, like, it does look sing like it like lips. Yeah, it and then the like lips that. start singing. Yeah, it looks just like that. Yeah, so so this is this is a great kind of stout. Um, I've had some of their other stouts, and they're very kind of thick, thick, heavy stouts, which uh, you know, as you know, I'm a fan of. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm looking in the glass, and it looks full blown black. Yeah, it's um, it's a coming in at seven point five percent. 
but it's not as thick as it looks. It's kind of a, a little portery. More portery. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more portery, um, which is nice though because you get more of the kind of chocolate and the cherry to it. So there's kind of a very nice flavor to it, and it's not. They didn't. They didn't. One thing Deep River does is they. Um, bourbon barrel a lot of things yeah they love sticking shit in barrels yeah. and i mean they <laughs> yeah. they have like they have a stout right now out that's double bourbon barrel they put it in two different kinds of barrels don't they call it like the double barrel or something yeah the double dba they then they have the um they've got one that is in port finish port wine barrels okay and then they've got one that they they put in um cinnamon whiskey barrels so like i guess fire, okay. fireball barrels I yeah guess. is that a thing or is there a fireball barrel? i don't know because I mean, that kind of thing is ticket technically a liqueur yeah you would i i had the cinnamon whiskey but you would actually enjoy it it's really good it, i mean it tastes like a very good stout with a shot of fireball dunked in it okay so it's I actually, would be into it it's pretty tasty i'll, I'll pick you one up next time i always like when i go to pharmacy evan williams uh, reserves better yeah. than like the the fireballs and stuff. So like I always liked Evan Williams cinnamon reserve better than fireball. And okay. they make I don't a, think I've ever had it. It's good. And they make a cherry reserve as well, which I really like because I am a big fan of cherry coke. Yeah. Okay. And basically if you take the Evan Williams cherry reserve and you put it in normal coke, it basically just tastes like cherry coke with whiskey. Okay. That sounds and, delicious. Yeah. And like if I, and most restaurants like don't have cherry Coke. Right. Right. But if you want like a cherry Coke whiskey, you can get this and put it in, you know what I mean? But most, okay. re- most places are not going to have Evan Williams cherry reserve. Yeah, yeah. So you could do like a cherry Coke and put whiskey in it, or you can just have normal Coke, put Evan Williams cherry reserve in it. I went to a restaurant once and I asked for a cherry Coke. I, I usually, I don't drink soda very often, but if I do, yeah. I'll get like a cherry Coke or like a, yeah, you know, that's what, what I always want at the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I want the biggest restaurant. popcorn and the biggest cherry coke. This was kind of a fancy restaurant, and I I asked for a cherry coke, and they brought me out a highball glass with coke in it and probably nine cherries <laughs> instead of ice cubes. It was just cordial cherries. That's hilarious. And it was, I mean, there was a good heavy amount of cherry juice in it too. So yeah. it was just goopy. You know, it wasn't even coke anywhere. It was just kind of this goopy thing. And oh, I was, that's I was like, weird. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Um, but yeah, as a, as a stout overall, it's great. I, I'm a big fan of Deep River. Uh, Clayton's not a bad town. I don't yeah. mind it. You know, little, yeah, it's a nice out, drive. I mean, if yeah. you have a nice convertible, want to take a yeah. nice drive, you ride down 70 east out the southeast yeah. side of Raleigh. It's a nice straight drive. You go down there, you get into Clayton, you turn left, you go yeah. through a couple residential streets, the breweries there. There's a ton of places to park. They have live bands. The beers. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say the beers out of this world, but it's good. it's good. Like it's a nice little day trip. Like it's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's it's worthwhile. I think. I mean, I've never been there, but it's it's. We should go. We should. We should. Uh, we should go record there. Yes, we should. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um. Anyways, chocolate cherry cordial stout brewed with chocolate and cherries. I like it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. What is uh, it? Chocolatey. It's not as chocolatey as you would think. Yeah. You know, usually when something bothers to put chocolate on the label, it's very chocolate forward. Yeah. This is very mild. It's more like, you know, if you're going to get a chocolate bar, like so say you get a Hershey's, you know, it's like milk chocolate it's yeah. in your mouth, you're eating chocolate. It's kind of like a Hershey's chocolate bar versus baking chocolate. Okay. Where it's a much more subtle kind of background taste. Yeah. You know, it's it's less sugary. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. Like so it's okay. not not so much in your face candy bar. Does it have a lot of cherry? Not not as much as you would think. It's it's also really? very subtle. So that's yeah. very surprising because I feel like for a chocolate cherry cordial. Because like when I I eat, mean they put lips with a cherry. <laughs> cherry yeah. yeah. I, I'm expecting a lot of cherry. Because like when I eat a chocolate cherry cordial, yeah, it's a lot of cherry. Yeah, it's not as and much not as not a think. lot of chocolate. Yeah. So I would expect a lot of And I love this warmed cherry. up a little bit too. So it's, it's, yeah, there's definitely cherry there, but it's not like one of those cordials that you bite into where you're like, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's more kind of the subtle aftertaste of a cordial. Interesting. Like I had some decent chocolate and there was a little cherry and that's what you're left with. Is it yelling chocolate cherry cordial at you from the other room? No, it's not like LaCroix. No, it's not like it's <laughs> it's not like a distant. Co- it's there. It's definitely it's in the same room. Yeah, it's just not 
laying on top of you and smothering you with a pillow. Yeah, that I feel like when if I bought that beer, that's what I would have wanted. I would have wanted to be getting smothered in chocolate. Yeah, and have yeah. there be a very definitive cherry taste. Yeah, if it was a heavier stout, I would be disappointed. But since it's kind of light and portery, I'm I'm okay with it. It's not too bad. It's just kind of like you're having a really nice stout with some good aftertones. Yeah, know? so I like it. Okay, what uh, what do you got over there? So I have the follow up to a beer that I did previously on the show and really enjoyed. And I referenced this beer, uh, but I had never had it. So I saw it in the store. I decided not to buy juiciness and buy (laughs) this instead. And so I am back in California again at Firestone Walker Brewery. And I have the Double Mind Haze IPA. Double. Double. And so does that mean twice as much? <laughs> twice as much. So let's talk about the can real quick and then we'll get into the beer. So like the original Mind Haze, this one has this kind of smoky, ethereal, spacey sort of thing going on. It says Firestone Mind Haze Double IPA. At the bottom it says Firestone Walker Brewing Company. At the top it says a California beer company. And then it has their whole like lion on the left with the bear, fighting bear on the right constellation thing going on. And then there's not really a lot else going on in this can. It's a 12-ounce can. It has all the California crap on it. It says Hazy Double India Pale Ale, 8.3%, alcohol by volume, 12 fluid ounces, brewed by Firestone Walker Brewing Company, and Paso Robles, California. Robles. Brewer, it says Beer Before Glory, Hazy Double IPA, 8.3% alcohol by volume. And that's basically all that there is going on in the can. I do not feel like this is a double IPA. Well, it's, a, it's also, would you say it was 8.3? 8.3, yeah. Yeah, a little light. For, I mean, well, not light for a double, but it's, it's yeah. it is still up there. It's it a good is beer. solid on the alcohol. Yeah. It does not taste like it. Yeah, it's still light like the other one was. The other one was kind of like a light drinkable almost session. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the normal not double mind haze. Oh, this can is purple. It's got a bunch of purple, a bunch of navy. Was the other one not purple? The other one was blue. Okay. So it had like this kind of blue, light navy, gray okay. kind of thing going on. This one's purple, dark, really dark navy, kind of like a light pale purple thing going on on it. I do not like double IPAs. And I Usually really yeah. don't like triples. So I typically don't get them. And, but when I drank the original Mind Haze, I was like, man, this is so light. It was like four You're or five percent. You it, were ready to like go to a construction site, take your shirt off, and sit and drink eight of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you were ready to get on a boat and crack open the uh, 40 quart Yeti. I'm on a boat, bitch. <laughs> so my Yeti is going to be full of juiciness and normal mind haze. Regular mind haze. The All blue mind haze. I might, you know, for being on the boat, I might do nor a blend of normal mind haze and double mind Smart. haze. Smart. Do, you know, do you know why it's purple? No. Do you know what purple signifies? No. Royalty. Okay. I mean, I knew that. I it's didn't know that that's where you were going, but all right. I mean, what other reason could it be? The Joker? Oh, yeah, that too. I don't know. He was a king, though. Okay. 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 Um, but yeah, so if you guys remember and you haven't listened to the episode where I've talked about normal mine haze, I don't even remember what episode that was, but go check it out. Two ago. <laughs> I don't know. But um, that beer was super light. It was everything I've always wanted a session to be, is yeah. what that beer was. It's the best session I had ever had, but it was just their normal mind haze. And they described it perfectly saying it was very light. It was very drinkable. It was very kind of thin and it had this very crisp flavor, not very citrusy, all that kind of stuff. What's going on in the double mind haze is what I would expect out of a normal IPA. But if you took normal mind haze and just dialed it up, like 200%. Right. That is what the double 
Mine Haze IPA is. It doesn't sound like a bad thing. It's still a double in the fact that it's a little bit thick. I get a very creamy mouth taste. My mouth is kind of like foamy with mouth, okay. with IPA tongue a little bit. But it has it takes all the flavor that is kind of sort of there, but it's not really there in the normal Mine Haze, and it just dials it the fuck up. Yeah. This beer is great. I'm into it, yeah. It has really great flavor. It's really, really drinkable. You can't taste the fact that this is an 8.3 yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've you, gotten in trouble at their brewery having a couple of those. You could get absolutely the smashed on this yeah. and have no idea. It's really, really good. It yeah. has a really nice scent. It tastes really good. It just has this like very nice flavor to it. And it's not... It's not like it's doing anything super well. It's not super citrusy. It's right. not danky. It's very, very hazy. Yeah. For sure. It's doing so, its job is what yeah, it's doing. It takes the <laughs> hazy game and just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Because it's not like a juicy where you're going to get a bunch of citrus, a bunch of juice flavors, a bunch of grapefruit, a bunch of orange. It's not like that at all. It's just <laughs> yeah. a very... This is like the epitome of what a hazy <laughs> is trying to do. Yeah. And this is well within the realm of what I would consider to be a normal hazy. Yeah. It just dials it up a notch, gives you a little bit of extra alcohol, doesn't make it taste like it, makes it ultra drinkable, and it's not expensive, and it's in a 12-ounce can. So it's like perfect yeah. to like... Crushable. Yes. Abs- 100% crush, <laughs> absolutely crushable. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like you're like... All those other ones were amateurs. And this is the one is a goddamn <laughs> professional coming in here, doing its job, making everything perfect. And I'm loving it. That's what I feel like you're doing right That's now. exactly what yeah. I'm doing. This beer is Jerry Maguire telling <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. to show me the fucking money. And, and this beer's great. Like every beer I drank before this was garbage. This except one except juiciness. <laughs> except that beer juiciness. rules. <laughs> <laughs> you're like f you f you you're cool f you <laughs> it's like that it's like that video of um was it that key and peel show where peel is like coming out doing the politicians thing and he's like slapping people's yes. hands and hugging yeah, them yeah. and he sees the white people and he's like never mind yeah and then yeah. he starts it's like you with juiciness my days double bite his yeah i mean yeah. me and those three beers we yeah. are about to be bros all summer right yeah it's gonna be it's like gonna be i'm set as fuck with this that <laughs> and the the uh cherry key lime oh yeah, uh, yeah. not the ugly sour. cousin the star fruit no that one sucks yeah i heard that there's a third one they did a third one of those oh. and i haven't seen it yet but when i do i'm gonna get it yeah. it's a watermelon dragon fruit or something like oh. that. it sounds lit. they should do like a pimento cracker uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I want to just throw it out flavors. I mean, I love pimento cheese and crackers. I, I, I love how excited you are about the Firestone beers, though. It's yeah. so cool because I, I, I mean, I, to, I totally took it for granted. For me, Firestone, it was like going to TGI Fridays. Yeah. And I was just going there and I was sitting down drinking beers and I was like, this is great. I mean, well, it's like, I mean, it's like me when I used to go to Trophy. Yeah. I was like, this is a very professional establishment. They really have their shit together. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you keep recommending shit to me that I love. It's like you're like, oh, you should definitely try that Firestone Walker beer. And then I did, and I was like, this is great. And you're like, you should have the double. And Stick I get it, and I'm kid. like, this is even better. This is even better than that. It's like, I this don't This is always, like that, but double. I know. It's like, I don't always want a session, which is why I don't, like, I don't know that I'm going to be buying that much Mind Haze. Sure. Just because I'm like, a session and double Mind Haze, I'm going to be buying the fuck out of this. Yeah, it's go time. For sure. And then what you're is, over here being like by Wickles. And, I, and now I'm like <laughs> crushing jars full of fucking Wickles. Like you're like 30 okra deep. <laughs> sucking <laughs> down my day's doubles in okra. Uh, yeah, dude, I am. Oh, I am man. crushing Wickles, spicy Wickles, wicked pickle chips, Wickles, wicked okra, double mine haze and this is all shit that jake's been like you need to buy this and you need to buy this <laughs> just on the last week too i'm just like why are you not eating this stuff why are you not doing this i know i know anyways that's all for the beer part i'm ready to talk about fucking john teeter because this dude's crazy as shit and if you have listened to our paul dinach episode yes then you know a little bit about the- john teeter and i am ready to dive in on this guy because he is fucking bonkers absolutely I, mean, I am here for it okay 
On July 29th, 1998, Art Bell was doing a show about time travelers. He was the host of Coast to Coast AM, one of the most popular alternative news and conspiracy radio shows on the air. It was hugely popular amongst truckers and people with insomnia because it basically aired in the middle of the night. On that July show, Bell had been cycling through callers, all claiming to be time travelers. See, Art Bell had a superpower that made him an amazing host. He would let anyone talk. You could call in and say you're a Gallifreyan time lord here on earth to fight Daleks and Art Bell would start asking specifics about your time machine and praise you for your duty. It was really, really bizarre, but it was fun as hell. So time travelers are talking about where they're from and what the future is in the past and what it's all like and Bell is just grilling them about how they get around black holes and all this other stuff. And then he took a break and checked his fax machine for fan mail, which he usually did during the show, and he found something very interesting that popped up. So I'm going to read the facts all the way through. Sick. I'm ready. This is fax number one. This was the first contact from John Teeter, and it said, Dear Art, I had to fax when I heard other time travelers calling in from any time past the year 2500 AD. Please let me explain. Time travel was invented in 2034. Offshoots of certain successful fusion reactor research allowed scientists at CERN to produce the world's first contained singularity engine. The basic design involves rotating singularities inside a magnetic field. By altering the speed and direction of rotation, you can travel both forward and backwards in time. Time itself can be understood in terms of connected lines. When you go back in time, you travel on your original timeline. When you turn your singularity engine off, a new timeline is created due to the fact that you and your time machine are now there. In other words, a new universe is created. Basically, uh, uh, Avengers Endgame rules. Yeah. To get back to your original line, you must travel a split second further back and immediately throw the engine into forward without turning it off. Some interesting outcomes of this are, one, you tend to meet yourself. I've done it quite often, even taken a younger version of myself along for a few rides before returning myself to the new timeline and going back to my own. Two, you can alter history in the new universe that you've just created. Most of the time, the changes are subtle. Sometimes I'll notice car models that don't exist anymore or books that came out too late. The oldest one was a skyscraper that wasn't built in a near favorite store of mine in New York. Interestingly, when you travel in time, you must compensate for the orbit of the Earth. Since the time machine doesn't move, you have to adjust the engine so you remain on the planet when you turn it off. Unfortunately, it was also discovered that anyone going forward in time from 2036 hit a brick wall in the year 2564. Everyone who has ever been there has reported that nothing exists. When the machine is turned off, you find yourself surrounded by blackness and silence. Now, most time travelers are trying to find out where the line went bad by going into the past, creating a new universe, and proceeding forward to see if the same thing results in 2564. It appears the line went bad around the year 2000. I'm here now in this time to test a few theories of mine before going forward again. Now, for the future, you might want to know about. One, Y2K is a disaster. Many people die on the highways when they freeze to death trying to get to warmer weather. Two, the government tries to keep power by instituting martial law, but all of it collapses when their efforts to bring the power back up fail. Three, a power facility in Denver is able to restart itself, but it's mobbed by hundreds of thousands of people and destroyed. This convinces most that maybe we shouldn't bring the old system back up. Four, a few years later, communal government systems are developed after the Constitution takes a few twists. China retakes Taiwan, Israel wins the largest battle for their life, and Russia is covered in nuclear snow from their collapsed reactors. Art, the reason I'm here now is because I believe a nuclear weapon set off by Iraq in the Middle East war with Israel might have something to do with the damaged timeline. I'm going to test this theory and get back to you. Please pray that we discover the reason why there is no apparent future after the year 2564. Thank you, John Teeter. Wow. <laughs> what a roller coaster. Yeah. I am over here like full blown daydream <laughs> imagining this stuff. I mean, that's just the kind of person I am. If you start telling me a story, I'm not going to see you. I'm going to start seeing the story yeah. in my head. I am just seeing all of this in my brain. I'm just like, oh, fuck. It's wild, right? Yes. The detail that he goes into, like the, yeah, just the way that he's telling it, it sounds so sure and so convincing. 
it's just kind of scribbled onto a fax. Like he was listening to our bell and was like, well, let me, let me correct let me write all this these, down real quick. Yeah. Let me correct all these motherfuckers that are talking about going into the future past 2564 because so I've gone back and I've listened to the show that our bell was hosting at that time. Yeah. And the people he's talking to are saying I'm from 3750. I'm from 10,000 AD blah blah blah. And John Teeter's like, let me tell you something. There's no future after 2564. And it's such a weird nonchalant flex where he's just like, yeah, no, these guys are wrong because it's just a black hole after that. And here's all of these other things that happened with Israel and Russia and like, and he just drops in a very nonchalant way. And it's, I couldn't imagine really receiving that facts. Yeah. I, it would just be a very bizarre and just thing. being and pulling in our bell and just being very like chill about it. Yeah. And he's just like, well, let me ask you a question or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure bell got a pretty good laugh over that facts and he did proceeded to read it on air and even invited teeter to call in and have a chat. Uh, he didn't call in. He was apparently too busy with his mission in the past, but he did carve some time out uh, to well. I mean, he carved some time out. Does that actually matter? Because he's a time traveler. Yeah. But uh, well, if he's here to do a mission, it could matter. Because if anybody has seen yeah. Umbrella Academy, mm. time is of the essence when you are time traveling. That's a good point. Yeah. And if anybody has ever read or seen anything about Flashpoint, you know yeah. that that is true as well. So John Teeter uh, went. Uh, after he talked to Arbel, well, sent him the faxes, he went on a little-known internet discussion board called the Time Travel Institute. It was just this basic GeoCities message board that people had set up. And okay. I say GeoCities sometimes. I don't actually mean GeoCities. I just mean... Kind you know, of like that. I just mean crappy pre-2000 internet message board. Okay. When I say GeoCities. Okay, okay. Um so John Teeter secured the highly desirable handle of time underscore traveler underscore zero and began posting away. The first read greetings. I am a time traveler from the year 2036. I am on my way home after getting an IBM 5100 computer system from the year 1975. Teeter explained that he had to make a pit stop in the year 2000 to visit his own family, his young parents and his two year old self in Tampa, which where he was later stationed. With some time to kill, he decided to jump on the message boards and he ended up dropping more than 500 posts and answered like three times that quote unquote some time to kill. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've made 500 <laughs> Facebook posts in the last <laughs> right. 10 yeah. years. Or Got a little time to kill. Let me just blow up this one message board. Oh my God. All right. Teeter was kind of like a long winded cue. He'd sit there and ask questions, tell stories, give tons of predictions, answer any question that was put to him and carry on and on and on with people who wanted to interact with him over the next six months. His 570 posts would lay out a bleak future filled with a civil war fought over a highly disputed U.S. presidential election war with Russia and China, a pandemic and U.S. wide martial law. I mean, most of that we have aside from martial law at this point, right? Yeah, I could see us going that way, though. I mean, possible Just saying while all of those sounds super scary and super terrifyingly possible right at this moment, let's get into his actual timeline. The main reason Teeter was coming back to the past was to get a fairly unknown and outdated computer called the IBM 5100. It was one of the first portable computers and had a special mode that allowed it to debug Unix code. The key thing here is that no one outside of the people who created the computer knew that that special code existed. So one point to John Teeter there for having this special knowledge of something he shouldn't know about. That is, unless he worked on the team that created the computer. Which he couldn't have. Well, because he's from the year 2036. Yeah. So, but he was chosen for his time travel mission because his grandfather helped develop that. Yeah. So maybe his grandfather told him or yeah. wrote it in Wait, a journal so. or something. Or maybe he pulled like a... Paul Dinoch and wrote it down in wrote a book down, somewhere yeah. or something. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe. So he's headed back to fix this Unix 2038 problem, which is a very real thing. And basically Y2K on steroids. Do you, do you know the Unix 2038 problem? Sort of vaguely. Sort of vaguely. It's yeah. basically like Y2K. It's kind of like Y2K. So like what's Y2K? What was the problem? It was basically that once the year 2000 rolled over the 
bank systems were going to eat themselves or all the computers in the world were going to eat themselves because right. they were going to think it was year zero or something. Right, exactly. So they only, when they began coding computers, they only put in two digits for the year. That. So it was basically uh, 99 would switch back over to zero and, oh, no, it's the year zero and we don't have money anymore. And that was the big fear. Um the 2038 Unix problem is a bigger issue because it's a switch from um, 32-bit to 64-bit or something. It's basically we run out of the time space of the universe for coding. Sure. Yeah, so it's it's a bigger issue. And it's actually a real thing. People are worried about it. They're working on it now. They're like figuring out how to do it. And yeah. I figure we've got, you know, 18 years. We can figure it out. Probably. I mean, hopefully. probably. You know, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, we figured out Y2K and it wasn't like a huge... They could just rebuild the entire computer system from the ground and not even use Unix by then. I mean, we're going to have entirely new... We're going to have like AI in your brain kind of computer systems by 2038, you know? I hope so. I mean, I have 5G nanobots in my body right now. Well, because you got the jab. I did. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) in Teeter's past, Y2K left millions of people dead. Nuclear power plants blew up in everybody's faces. All the power went off across the country, and people were freezing to death in their own homes. Well, I mean, Alex Jones was over here trying to say paint planes were falling out <laughs> right. of the sky. Nuclear yeah. weapons were going off. California was on fire. Colorado had yeah. exploded. It's my favorite YouTube video. Uh, if you ever want, <laughs> if you ever want a like an hour of pure bliss, just pull up Alex Jones. December 31st, 1999. And it's a recording of him talking about Y2K unfolding. And it's like 5 p.m. in Texas or something. And he's talking about nuclear power plants exploding, Russia blowing up, bombers dropping nuclear missiles in New York. And he's just talking about it like it's this normal thing. And it's really, really bizarre. And he's even got people calling in who are like, I just saw a guy who was flying a stealth bomber and a nuclear bomb went off and then there was a baby and then there was a demon and the world ended. And he's like, you heard it here fo- first, folks. <laughs> you know, This reminds me of that movie and I can't remember what it is now, but it was like the world ended. It was like a spoof on Left Behind. Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? And I can't remember. This was like... Was it, it the was one like, with Steve Carell? I don't think Where they so. went to a TJ Friday's and everybody was like doing heroin and eating hamburgers? No. Oh, you should watch that movie. It's no, this had like... I want to say it was like Seth Rogen and oh, his whole oh, crew and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, And it was like, it's been three days and they're already like eating each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it was I basically the like the about. devil yeah. is coming back and trying to steal this yeah. dude's girlfriend and like all this stuff. Like it was very weird. Yeah. Me. And like uh, Kenny downtown, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Is like that. He's like, I've been here five minutes and I own this man. Right. And they yeah. were all like stuck in a mansion or something. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And as the, they kick in Aziz and sorry down a hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, and, yeah. Yeah. So after that, the Y2K was basically the start of the end for the U.S. From there, the U.S. started slowly rebuilding, but the people were divided over class and race issues. There was a lot of fighting in the streets and with the cops. A pandemic swept through everyone's homes, killing millions of people. Then there was a huge, very important presidential election that didn't go the way that people wanted to, to, and fighting got worse and worse. Teeter said that a quote-unquote Waco-style event with rioting in response would happen almost monthly and eventually would lead to a full-blown civil war in the United States. Old school civil war style, like North versus South, you know, whatever the split People was. with muskets and shit yeah, running yeah, through fields and crap. All right. Yeah. What eventually happened was the U.S. split into five different regions and uh, during that time, those pesky Russians over there took advantage of this whole thing and lobbed a couple of nuclear missiles our way, killing more than 3 million Americans. The U.S. capital during all this was moved to somewhere in the Midwest, like Omaha or something. And people refocused on family life. Doctors started making house calls again. We probably all got off Instagram and farmer's markets started popping up everywhere. And it was a complete hipster's paradise. Things were getting damn rural and getting better and a lot more tolerable. So what was exactly happening? But when you look at this kind of 
wide swath of what Teeter was talking about in his predictions. They look pretty wild if you put yourself in the uh, viewpoint of it being the year 2000. And they look even crazier knowing what we know today about all this stuff. Yeah. He predicted things like we wouldn't find WMDs in Iraq. He straight up said, you know, they're looking for WMDs. They're not going to find them. He predicted China would send an astronaut into space, which they did. It was a big secret program. He also predicted uh, CERN turning on and the mad cow disease outbreak. It's crazy that he got a lot of this stuff right, but he also got a lot of stuff wrong too. And that's kind of okay because he had this pretty good reason for it. And it's like when the Hulk goes to visit the ancient one at Dr. Strange house. And we talked about this. Yeah. When he goes there and they talk about uh, the different timelines and she explains when you pull one of the stones out, it fractures the timeline. Yeah. And so Teeter's whole explanation of how timelines work was it's the multiple timeline theory. So every time you go back, you create a new split in the timeline. Yeah. So what I'm picking up is basically he's working off of the information from the timeline that he was in. Right. And he has now traveled back, I assume, a a couple of times. Yeah. He went from 2036 to 1975 and then forward to 2000. And then he says he went back to 1975 once and then back to 2000. Yeah. So what he remembers from his timeline, right? He's probably four timelines away now. Yeah. So if he's even batting 500 on this, yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, that's probably pretty good because considering, you know, if you know, if you've read anything about flashpoint or any time travel shit, once you diverge the timeline, it's very unpredictable what stays the same and what doesn't. Right. So he's working off of what he thinks happens, but he doesn't know what everything has changed. Right. Any, you know, it's like butterfly effect type shit. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So things could have changed that he doesn't know about, you know, for better, for worse. He's moving around. He's doing all this stuff. And then, you know, he's made predictions that are right. He's made predictions that are wrong. And that's his reasoning, right? Yeah. Right. The timeline could have changed and he doesn't know because he's still here doing stuff, but he's moved three or four. Yeah. And he, and he even brings this up. He says, yeah. Um, the first time he traveled back because it's been, I forgot however many years it was. He mentions, uh, you know, there should be a two to 9% divergence in the timeline. And so he explains things are going to be different, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people in the message boards that are talking about stuff, they start pinning his predictions and creating a, oh, well, he was probably exactly 14 years off because he appeared here and then this happened and this changed. And so now all of these things are going to happen starting next year. You know, so there's a lot of people on the message boards like saying these, even today, like literally there's a Reddit forum and I was reading it this morning and there's people on there saying, well, 2022 must be when his civil war prediction started because of George Floyd and Pringles. I don't know. Yeah. Like just making stuff up, whatever. Right. Except, I mean, who knows? Because as of today, when we're recording this, which we're probably six or eight weeks behind now. Yeah. Derek Chauvin was convicted. Right. On all on all accounts. So, yeah. I mean... You know, maybe in his timeline, he wasn't. Right. And we would see a very different reaction between those two things. Yeah. And that yeah. would be, that would have national, if not global impact yeah. based on that one court decision. Right? Well, they said so, it all stemmed from a presidential election that didn't go the way people wanted it to. Right. So but that know, depends if, on who you are, right? Because right, you could exactly. have wanted Trump to win if you were in uh, an 1871-er or right. you were a super conservative or something like that. Or maybe you wanted Biden to win. That kind of thing is a not the way the people went. Right. And I'm doing air quotes right now. Not the people is, way yeah. the people went. That really depends on who you think the people, the people, quote unquote, right. are. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even if you look at it from a point of, say, um, you know, far right people wanted Trump or right people in general wanted Trump, left people wanted Bernie, 
we wound up with Biden. So nobody really got what they wanted. So yeah. it didn't work the way, you know, I'm doing the little bunny foo-foos. You know, it didn't go the way people wanted it to go. Yeah. So we ended up in this place. And he's saying there's a Waco-style event every month. So if you look at what Waco is, you know, it was a raid on the Branch Davidians. So it was like this group of people. And what the essence of Waco was essentially was a very highly popularized video of the government taking advantage of people. And that's where the idea of, you know, his civil war would have begun was seeing over and over again, government taking advantage of people. So maybe if you put this in a different light, it could be, you know, young African-American guys getting gunned down in the street and people not going to jail for it or, you know, something else. There could be these other ramifications of like what is causing riots, what's happening. And he was saying that people would riot in response to these things that happen every month. Yeah. So, and I, I feel like we had a lot of that during COVID, but yeah. it's really starting to kind of shut down a little bit now, you know, and now that seems like it, we're starting to see more. Well, I guess in the case of George Floyd, the first yeah court decision really go the way that I think the people wanted it to go. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe there was something kind of fucked up in the vaccine. I mean, who knows? Maybe we have 5G nanobots in us. Maybe we don't. Maybe robots. Um, But I mean, I feel like the trend is going in a direction that's more for the people. I mean, we're seeing more and more states allow, you know, uh, legalization of marijuana. We're seeing, you know, retroactive um, decisions about people who've been incriminated for marijuana stuff, yeah. you know, kind of get starting to get reversed and stuff like that. And I think that really is the direction that people are trying to go. At least yeah. now is we want this much more open communicative, you know, understanding kind of community. And I think that's what people want. You know, they don't want people Absolutely. going to jail over minor weed possession. Right. Right. That, that yeah. that's the kind of thing that's just bullshit. We don't want, you know, the government profiling races based on quote unquote drugs. You right. know what I mean? Like we don't want that kind of stuff. So Yeah. And that creates a situation where if that's what the people want, who doesn't want that? Right. The people in power. You know, so they want to keep people down. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that it seems like things are kind of bubbling up in a positive way. But you know, over a long period of time and over multiple timelines and universes, who knows where that goes? Yeah, I mean, who knows? In his timeline, it could have been like yeah. man in the high castle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But in our timeline, we diverged in some way where right. we aren't. We are legalizing weed. We're releasing yeah. people from prison who right. are incriminated for marijuana stuff. We're trying to figure out racial issues. Yeah. Like you maybe know? we went back in you know, 2016, 2020, when we thought we were on the bad timeline, maybe we're actually on the good timeline, you know? Right. So who knows? It's Yeah. And I mean, bad timeline, good timeline, it's very subjective, right? I mean, it's very relevant. any yeah. society, we're yeah. going to have problems. We got to figure all this kind of stuff yeah. out and whatever, you know, nowhere in the timeline of human history has anyone ever claimed pure innocence. Right. And even if they well, did, anything, they were wrong. Yeah. And anything you and I call good, somebody else would call bad. Sure. And, and, you know, and vice versa, you know? Sure. So what the thing that really pushed John Teeter into popularity was that he really didn't have anything to sell anyone. And it was kind of early days on the internet. So there wasn't a lot of selling to be done. There was nobody right. kind of monetizing this stuff. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that really, really drove was that he was very interactive, which had never really happened before. You know, keep in mind, this is, 1999 2000 on these message boards and you could interact with other schmucks like you and me but there was no person who was kind of a celebrity you know we hadn't reached this celebrity internet moment yet where kim kardashian was on instagram and you could interact with her this was before all that you know there was no famous person on these message boards talking to you. Right. So we didn't have Demi, Demi Lovato Demi, right yeah, here exactly. fucking doing what she was doing. Right. Prosecuting women owned ice cream yeah. shops over right. <laughs> snack labeling. <laughs> right. So that shit is bonkers. To me. Like, <laughs> Get out of here, girl. So, 
you know, Teeter was popular because he was on our bell. He was talked about, he was mentioned. Yeah. And so in these, in these threads and forums, he was basically a superstar. Sure. And a good chunk of people kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt and believed that. And they were asking him questions and he was sitting there answering them boldly. It was like an AMA. Right. But for like eight months, and he was bold about it and he was very confident and he was secure in his knowledge and he was instantaneous to respond. Yeah. And people would ask him questions like, well, who wins the, who wins the world series in this year? And he would pull the, you know, back to the future thing where he said, well, I can't tell you because if you make money off it, that'll affect the timeline. It could screw things up. Yeah. But I can tell you this and he would offer something else. And in the early days, like in 2000 or so, 2001, he was offering up these little kind of predictions that were coming true. Yeah. You know, these little basic things. Yeah. And so like Q with their whole push to save the world from evil pedophile thing, Teeter was the opposite of that. You're just kind of going along for the ride and it's fun and you can ask him questions and it's interesting and you want to watch it unfold. It's not like this life or death thing that's going to affect your entire world. There's a very low barrier of entry here. Yeah. So on the other side of that, we can kind of dig into when you look at his evidence that was on the forum, that's fine. That's good. We talk about all that stuff. He's super interactive. And then you look at the things like his, uh, time travel machine. You know, this was a device that was apparently built by General Electric and we could really dig into this and how it works. But, but honestly, I spent a lot of time staring at this and it's this really complicated thing and pretty much a lot of it's above my head because I I don't know anything about physics or any of this stuff. Uh, What I would highly recommend if, if anyone has interest about this, just Google John Teeter time machine because he posted, uh, photocopies of the manual of the time machine built by general electric on these threads. Holy shit. Yeah. So like the basic user manual of this time machine, he posted online and I'll bet it's like straight up like 1940s Kinko's a 100 100%, 100%. Well, Cause if this is, if this is post second American civil war, right? Nuclear revolution. Yeah. Timeline. Yeah. I'll bet they literally have like 1940s Kinko's tech well, going on. Yeah. I mean, they're going back in time to get a computer from 1975 to help the future. So, yeah. I mean, they were basically one step above handwriting, you know? I mean, this is like, it's not like it's pre 1984. Yeah. Yeah. I 100%. mean, some of the most revolutionary books about human condition commentary. Yeah. Have not even come out yet. Right. And this dude wants to go back to before that, 10 (laughs) years before then. Yeah. For a computer. Right. A laptop. Yeah. Not well, not a laptop. It's probably some horrible, gaudy Apple II looking. I mean, it's a little portable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could, you can carry it around. It's an 85 pound brick of old desktop. But I mean, 90% you know. of it was beige plastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100% yeah. of yeah. it was made out of beige <laughs> plastic. Probably um, yellowed over time. You got to yeah. like clean it. Because there was smoke. There's like cigarette burns on the side of it. There's little pieces of tobacco and yeah. leave inside it. And stuff. Yeah. And I mean, he posted photos of the computer in the future, like with his time machine. You know, his time machine was in a 1966 Corvette. He posted photos of that. Um, he posted photos of himself in the time machine while it was running. One of the one of the most famous photos was he had a laser pointer, and he was sitting in the passenger seat of the time machine while it's running, and shining the laser out, and you can see the laser bending. Oh wow! And the interesting thing about that, myself knowing a little bit about film photography, because keep in mind this is the year nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. To get a photo of bending light while you're sitting in a chair is a little difficult. You're either going to have to have somebody shoving this structure that you're sitting in forward quickly so that the light will bend in some sort of smoke or something, or you're going to have to sit inside of a what looks like a 1966 Corvette inside of a merry-go-round or something that's traveling quickly. Yeah, You know, it's a hard photo to reproduce and make look 
legitimate, you know? Yeah. And Photoshop. Anyway, at this time, I bet Photoshop was not great. Well, yeah, I mean, or Photoshop existed, existed and yeah, Photoshop did exist in two thousand in, in the year two thousand. They had okay. the first iteration out. Okay, um, but doing that wasn't an option. It was it wasn't something you could do. I I used it back then. I was I was in art school for a little while at the time. Yeah, it's not like today. No, not even remotely. And so it's a very difficult thing. So he had these crazy photos that he just put up, and and I highly recommend if you do have interest in this, jump out, look at these photos, kind of dive in. There's a couple websites that have kind of collated everything across the board of all of his messages, all of his faxes, everything. And um, it, and I think it's worth a read. So, I mean, if anything, if you take away the whole time traveler thing, if you take away everything, this guy was obviously some sort of bored, super smart dude who managed to keep the interest of an engaged message board over a long time. I mean, months. And I don't want to rob anyone of that incredibly fun trip down this whole teeter rabbit hole. It really endless. I mean, it's just really endless and still going today because people are still bringing stuff up and there's like new things popping up. And even uh, a couple months ago, I was actually, uh, I personally was interviewed by Rochester magazine, which is a magazine from Minnesota. Okay. And I was asked about the whole John Teeter thing because I've written a couple of podcasts about this in the past before we were doing Berluminati. Okay. And so I was kind of known as this guy who had talked about John Teeter in the past. And uh, they kind of asked me what was the new stuff and what's going on with it. And while there's not a lot of new evidence, there's a lot of new people really excited about it. Okay. And so there's a lot of new message boards. And my kind of uh, message at the time was, I think John Teeter is very much like an early version of Q where he was out there being something that a lot of people wanted to get interested in, a lot of people wanted to have fun with, and I think it was, it was more fun because they removed the politics, they removed the kind of quote unquote danger of this whole like pedophilia thing. Yeah, and it was just an exciting game for people to play. So people were going to this forum every day and asking questions and like realizing they could participate with yeah. a guy who. You know, if he had opened up on this forum and they were like, hey, what's the future like? And he's like, I don't know. There's five elephants and then signed off like nobody cares because it doesn't make sense. Right. But this dude hung out and he kept his story 100% straight. And that's why 21 years later, this is still a thing people are looking into and still think it's fun. And um, I think the best way to kind of like put a put a little bit of a bow on this is in March of 2001, uh, John Teeter had decided that his mission was over and he didn't want to communicate with people anymore. So he went onto the Art Bell forums and posted a message. And I, w- I want to read the message because it's kind of interesting and it's a good summary. And uh, he said, I will be leaving this world line shortly and this will be my final post. There are only a handful of people who will know exactly when I will be leaving and I'm sure they will let you know when I'm gone. In the last few days, I have found your choice of topics quite interesting. And from an objective viewpoint, I think it collectively answers one of your own questions. If time travel is real, where are all the time travelers? In the past, I have stated that quite frankly, you all scare the hell out of me. And I'm sure other temporal drivers would feel the same. But now I have an expanded explanation with two examples. A while ago on one of the posts, I related an experience with one of my parents while we were driving down a highway. Every now and then we would pass someone who was in obvious distress with their vehicle. I was amazed that so many people could pass them by without stopping to help. Their explanation was fear of the unknown. The risk of helping someone was too great. And with today's technology, they probably had a cell phone and they didn't. And if they didn't, the walk to a gas station would be good for them and teach them a lesson for running out of gas. The other example is the plight of the homeless. When you pass them as individuals on the street, I see the way people selectively choose an alternate path to avoid them. Those two examples best define why time travelers do not show themselves. In trying to help you, we put ourselves at great risk, and there's really no point to do it. We know the nature of time dictates that traveling between exact world timelines is impossible. Therefore, the only results we will see will be the ones we stay to see. Since world lines, outcomes, and events are infinite, we have better things to do. 
When I arrive in the quote new 1998 world line on my way home, I could easily start all of this up again and continue to go through these same conversations with all of you same people. However, I already know you won't pay any attention or believe me because we've already been through it on this world line. Besides, I think the walk to the gas station will do you some good. My parting thoughts revolve around something JC, who was a host of uh, Coast to Coast, has been harping on since day one. No, I do not have a secret agenda, but I have been paying a great deal of attention to your world line. My interaction with you was not a direct mission parameter, but it was a secondary mission protocol based on standing orders given to all temporal drivers. That secondary objective is basically to gather as much information about a world line based on a set of observable variables when we first arrive. Your world line met all of those conditions. What amazes me the most is why did no one here ask why Y2K did not hit them? Bring a gas can with you when the car dies on the side of the road. Farewell, John Teeter. And uh, he never posted anything again after that. Let, let me ask. So during that, you <laughs> yeah. said he was going to return to the year 1998. Yeah. He seemed to have a stop. Up. Oh, no. He was, he was posing a question. He was saying, I could go to 1998 and restart all of this communication that I've had with you guys up to this point. But why would I bother? Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. I was trying to clarify. It was a little confusing. I, yeah. yeah. I miss, I miss yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So what he's saying is basically with the different timelines, he could, he could do it again and take advantage of it and learn something different if you wanted to. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I love, I love John Teeter because this dude hung in there and did, and like did not falter. And then yeah. just one day he vanished. Yeah. You know, and it's again, I, I hate to compare it to this, but again with Q, you know, December 8th was the last post from Q and he hasn't posted again. And the belief in Q is still going strong. Yeah. So it's, it's wild. I mean, what's your, uh, what's your kind of take on the whole thing? The hard thing about this is what I really want to know is something totally unrelated, which is what? Well, before I ask that question, okay, let's talk about John Teeter just a little bit more. All so. Right. I like John Teeter. This story is super fun. It is. It's very quirky. The timeline is so interesting. So he comes back from the year 2036. Six. Yeah. He goes to the year 2000. He goes back. He jumps back again to the year 1975. Yeah. Comes back to 2000. Right. Goes back to 75. Yeah. Comes back to 2000. He's all over the place. Then at when does when is he posting all of this stuff? The first or second time? Uh, like two thousand one is like late two thousand one is when he's posting. All yeah, this but stuff. is it the first time he comes? Is it on the first trip? I believe it's the last trip before he goes home. Okay, okay. So to clarify the timeline, he's in twenty thirty six. Right. He comes back to two thousand. Right. Jumps back. So he jumps back to 2000 to see his family. Right. Jumps back to 1975 to do some shit. Right. Comes back to 2000. Right. Goes back to. No, I think that's one too many backs. I think it's, I think it's 2036. 2000. Well, no, I think it's 2036, 75, 2000, uh, and then back to 75 and then back to 2000 and then posts all this stuff. Because the second trip to, to 1975, he ends up swapping out his Corvette for a pickup truck. Okay. Which I think is a bad move on his part. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a vet for I mean a maybe truck. it broke down. Yeah. So, yeah. So then he comes back and supposedly when he's doing all of this stuff, he's, he's spending time with his family and enjoying his life. And then he's going to go back to the future. Yeah. Back to the future. Back to the future. He's going to pull a Michael J. Fox. Yes. It's just such a fun story. And the way he, that he reaches out to Art Bell, he posts on these very early internet message yeah. boards, which I mean, I have to the imagine. cavemen of message boards. Yeah. I have to imagine there was not that many people on these message boards or smart enough or really knew about them yeah. in a way to be this creative, to be this confident. Right. And what he was posting. Cause now it's like 
People yeah. say all kind of ridiculous shit. On it's whatever it is. You know, yeah. they, I mean, Q back is, then it was different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just so interesting. You know, it's just so fun. It's so interesting the way that it happened, the way he describes it, the way he tells stories that he sent this fax to Arbel that he posted for six months or whatever, talking about all this yeah. stuff. And then eventually he was like, all right, guys. Well, I mean, my six month AMA is over. Right. I'm going back. Time to bounce. You know, good luck. Right. Exactly. It's just so fun. And the stuff that he predicted that was right is crazy. Yeah. Of course, the stuff that he predicted that didn't come true. Also crazy. And right. makes it very questionable. But like the knowing about the IBM 5100, the, yeah, he had the pandemic was coming, the knowing about. And some of this is kind of tough because when he describes it, it's very like, well, there's going to be a pandemic. There's right. going to be some social. It's very Nostradamus. Yeah. Yeah. It's very kind of vague. And you can read and you can see that and make connections to where we are now. Is that you making connections or is that right. being right? You know what I mean? And that's right. a hard question to answer. And we can't really know. You know what I mean? And he can explain it away by saying, oh, well, there's a variance in the percentage of the timeline that's correct and blah, blah, and all this right. stuff, right? It's just still so crazy to me that he could make so many predictions that did come true, whether sure. make, yeah. we're making like very leaping inferences yeah. or not or whatever. Yeah, I agree. But what I really want to know <laughs> is after we've talked about all of this, I want to know what you guys out there listening think. I want to know what Jake's thinks. And I'm going to ask this as a question pointed at Jake, but I still want you guys to answer it to yourselves. And then if you have an answer, reach out to us because I want to know. Do you still think John Teeter's the right one in comparison to Paul Dinock? Oh, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, cause I want to know your thoughts about John yeah. Teeter too, because you just made it sound like you think this is really fun. But when we were talking yeah. about Paul Dinock, I was like, this dude absolutely temporal projected. Yeah. And you're like, no, because Paul Dinock's right. Or right. because John Teeter's right. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. No, and, well, and John Teeter was saying that no matter what timeline they go down, it always ends at 25, whatever. 2564. Well, maybe not anymore. Right. Yeah. We don't know now. He went back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe so this is maybe the he fixed that it. fixed it. Yeah. Maybe he fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Paul, Paul D. Knock versus John Teeter. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like when I go through and, you know, because I read between then and now, I've read the Paul D. Knock book in more in depth. And, uh, and I've read all the John Teeter stuff and I really kind of lean more into Teeter. I okay. think he's right. Okay. Um, I think his kind of gut instincts of what he feels about the world are more correct. I think Paul Dinoch was definitely doing some sort of temporal projection, but in a weird way that was not this universe. Like I think Paul Dinoch was like two or three timelines away. I think he was an entire universe away. I think it was like more than a timeline, more than so. I think he was like in some sort of whatever is beyond a multiverse. I think his brain slipped into that. And I think John Teeter's more like the kind of, you know, John Teeter's the superhero, make sure your neighborhood's good. Paul Dinock is like, the guy up in the stars, making sure all that stuff's good, you know? Okay. That's, that's kind of how do I feel about those I, two. I could see that. I could yeah, see that yeah. for sure. But um, I still stand by the, I don't think there's going to be anything after 2564. I think that's. Well, luckily we're not going to be alive to see it. So oh, it doesn't yeah, matter. I'm very happy about that. And I think my personal timeline will probably be dead by all that. Too, <laughs> so, so yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I, great question. Yeah. I, and I would love to hear what other people think about that because yeah. it, it is kind of, you know, Dinoch versus Teeter. It's like a battle for the ages. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you have an opinion, do you like Teeter? Do you like Dinoch? I don't know. Come out and tell us. Get on our Instagram. Tell us what you think. Send us an email. Absolutely. Shoot us a message. I don't know. You can find us 900 ways. We're come, everywhere. Come hang out on our our uh, Discord, our Patreon, or our Discord. Yeah, yeah. 
Talk to us. Let us know. I'll voice chat with you. Jake will voice chat. We'll drink a beer with I'll you. Do. I don't know. Yeah, come, hang, yeah. come hang out. We'll talk about we'll some weird space shit. We'd love to. Yeah. All right. But uh, that's basically all we have for this one. So uh, we will see you guys uh, again next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real.